Hey guys, Dave Wolfsman here. Uh, I've got a, a really special treat for you today. Uh, my uh, new friend, but I guess we've, we've now, we've been connected for some time now, but my, my new friend, uh, um, Rajesh Sethi is joining me today uh, in a few minutes here to talk about a book that I think you need to read. And as you know, you guys know, I read a lot of books and um, sometimes I get halfway through and I want to throw them away or like I'm wasting my time, but I'm really looking forward to digging into Rajesh's brand new book. And here's why, here's why. It's got an interesting premise, one that I feel like all of you uh, uh, can, can associate with. It's, uh, the title of the book is called Smart But Stuck, When Being Brilliant Is Just Not Enough. So before I keep talking, let me welcome Rajesh here. Hey bud, how are you? Doing great, Dan. Thank you so much for having me on this show. So I'm captivated by this title because uh, we have a community of driven people who have clear goals and want to be their best self. And that's who we are, right? Driven people, clear goals, and just want to be our best self. And a lot of the people in, inside the group, I would consider to be really smart. But when we're talking, the conversations are usually about how to get unstuck, which means the majority of the people here, million plus people on Facebook and all the other channels where we are, feel stuck. So talk to me about this phenomenon that you're writing about, smart, but not stuck. Yeah, definitely, Dan. In fact, uh, uh, about several years ago, uh, I found that I used to get stuck every now and then. And then coming from an Indian family, I, I did very well in academics. I started a bunch of companies. I wrote 16 books. And everybody around me would tell me, I'm so smart, I should, ne I should never get stuck. And then I was thinking, is this some, am I being like a fraud here? That I'm, it seems like I'm smart because the accomplishments show that. And everybody says, I should not be stuck. But I am stuck not once, but multiple times, not, not for a short time, but for a prolonged period of time. So I used to think that I must be wearing a mask, some sort of a mask. I should not get stuck. And every time I try new things, I would get stuck again and again. And uh, um, it bothered me. And I kept thinking, maybe I'm the only exception here. Every other smart person rarely gets stuck. I'm the only really masquerading as smart person, but I keep getting stuck, so I may not be really that smart. So I asked uh, several people around me who were all smart, asked them, do you get stuck ever? I just, this is a personal question, I know, but do you get stuck ever? And 100% of the time, people would say, yeah, all the time, man. This is not once, but many times. And I'm thinking, how? I'm not, first of all, I was happy that I'm not an exception. I'm a part of the rule. And, uh, but it still boggled me, why do smart people get stuck? And I would ask about 280 people approximately over five years. Do you get stuck? Why do you get stuck? And my theory was that within six months, I'll find out the brilliant answer, one answer for everyone, like all encompassing answer. And I write books very fast. So I said, after six months, I'll write a book in about one and a half months, and then it'll sell a million copies and I'll get retired. That's the plan, grand plan. But I only got tired after six months because there was no one single answer. But uh, then I realized that the scope is the problem. 
I can't find one answer for why smart people get stuck. I have to break it into like 40 sub-problems because there may, somebody may be really, really smart in negotiating, but they may be really bad in relationships. Somebody may be awesome in relationships, they may suck in leadership. Somebody may be good in starting, but they may be bad in finishing. So th there is no one reason. It's not like a, uh, like a bug that will affect them entirely, but a bug here and there, here and there in their DNA. So I broke it into really small scope problems. Why do smart people get stuck when they know they should take action, but they don't take action? Why do smart people get stuck when they know they should change, but they don't change? And I started posting them on my blog. I have 2,000 blog posts on my blog, and this series was the most visited blog even today. And that's why I decided to package everything, about 55,000 words, and publish a book now. So you're bringing up an interesting phenomenon that I've seen in the world of, of, of business development, which is, you know, making money. Most companies, that's why I'm hired, brought in, is to, to, to help use my wizardry to help them make more money. And I'll often see individuals who are phenomenal at, like, say, networking or prospecting, but quite horrible at closing the deal. Uh, and, and, of course... Uh, what we've known about sales is uh, over the years or been told about sales is that you need this entire package. What's, what's happened though, is that the kind of the sales ecosystem has evolved to the point where now you, you kind of chop up a successful sale into a series of micro transactions or micro tasks, something like that. And then together you kind of, you kind of sculpt the entire solution um, based off of, you know, micro steps. Did you find the same thing when, when you were looking at why people get stuck? Is it a series of, of micro transactions that stop people from, from being, them, being their best self? What is it? 100%. I see the exact same thing. They are not stuck like holistically, like forever. It's not like they have a big problem, but the problem they have in one area because they don't address it. First of all, very, very few people want to admit they are stuck because otherwise they will think they will be sort of exposed. If they should not be stuck because they're so smart. But if they admit they are stuck, then they may not be so smart. They don't want, they want to put on that facade. When in fact, uh, if they admit it, they will get a lot more help. If they don't admit it, they will not get help. Like, I'll take one example of being in Silicon Valley, right? Everybody says, I want to start my own company one day. And then it's like a perennial New Year resolution. So you ask them next year, it's the same resolution. This, this will be the year I'll start my new company. And then I ask them five years later, it will be the same thing. The dream has not changed, but the progress is almost none. And I dug down deeper. It, it's the same thing somebody says, I want to write a book. One day I want to write a book. I have a brilliant idea. The same thing repeats five years, 10 years. And then after some time they give up because it's too late for them. The kids are going to college and very busy and all those things. So I figured out that I dug deeper and say, why do they get stuck? Is there a particular place where they get stuck? And I found that the answer is extreme preparation. So basically somebody wants to start a company. Somebody will say, 
for example hey you are a tech- technology geek but you need to learn sales you know but ultimately you need to know a little bit of sales and you say okay let me watch a video let me read dance book or whatever it is they start doing it and then some interesting phenomenon happens that jeffrey pepper from stanford put it brilliantly he said to know your level of incompetence on a topic you need to be reasonably competent on the same topic so if you don't know how much mm-hmm. about sales how yeah. bad you are in sales you need to know a little bit of sales to know how bad you are in the same sales the same with marketing so they start reading up on sales and then they realize oh my god there is now there is social selling there is social media selling there is in relationship selling there is storytelling which one should i do okay i think i'll pick on storytelling then they start picking up details about storytelling they see a framework for movies there is a framework for sales they say oh my god should i learn about uh, fictional storytelling that we can apply some principles by that time somebody says hey guys you are all doing this wrong everybody is on social media you should master linkedin facebook twitter instagram and it's like they are they were they are overwhelmed with what should i do i think i'm not ready for it and by the time they think they are they have their handle on somebody will say you need to raise money you know for your company i will do you know have you looked at how term sheets are made like how do series a funding happens or series seed funding happens and these terms may be alien to them they start digging they become like an ocean and soon rather than taking action they are becoming perfectionists in 50 different things yeah. and time flies by yeah this is one of my own challenges uh i'm driven and the older i get i realize that there's so much more to know right uh and so what happens is uh i find myself continuing to to often you know perfect when what i need to do is is offer this you know this art offer this um this service this skill to the world right and 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 with the design with the intention of helping people 100% i always say everything is scrappy before it is shining so everybody is an amateur before they are a professional but if they don't put their work out in the world uh, there is no real feedback coming because until you are iterating only in your mind it is not real it's like a fan- fantasy but you think it is okay, this picture will be there and i have seen entrepreneurs who go on building forever yeah. they will think yeah. build this picture and then they will say okay this won't be enough they have not talked to a customer they are just thinking if i were a customer i put myself in the shoes of a customer Uh, and then i i think they will need these three features and very soon it will be like an airline cockpit like rather than solving one problem it can solve like 50000 problems and the customer thinks oh my god this is not what i want i just want something simple yeah exactly uh, i know exactly what you're saying and in fact i've been there uh, a lot of a lot of projects i've deployed uh, have have been released to the world slower than they probably should have been just because um i wasn't focused on that and you know you part of that frankly and this is a little bit off the beaten beaten path was i had to develop a bit of humility um the humility to deliver from intention instead of pretending like everything was okay you know when when it's perfect 
you, you don't have to, you know, your armor is, it's perfect. It works. Everything's perfect. But when it's not perfect, you have to lead from a place of intention. Here's where we're going and here's our mission. And, and that requires a bit of humility, a bit of openness, a little bit, a bit of vulnerability. 100% Dan. In fact, one of my biggest successes was a company that's still going strong called Jiffle now. And uh, uh, we, we tried, uh, it's about uh, nine years into the business now. We have uh, over 200 companies. Many of them are Fortune 500 companies. But real breakthrough came after three years when we showed what we have built to Cisco. And then they said, you know, this is good, but this is not how we would use it. And uh, thank God we just listened and we started co-creating a solution with them. Because once a customer participates in building your solution, it becomes theirs. It's no longer yours because they, they can't not fall in love with it because they helped you co-create it. And then once you have a big customer like Cisco backing you and saying that this is exactly what we want, many of them think Cisco is a role model for them in the space that we are operating in. And they say, oh, if Cisco uses it, I think it must be good. Then the social proof comes in. Then three, four companies start using it. Then they say, oh my God, a lot of Silicon companies, Valley companies are using it. It must be cutting edge. So the sale is made even before you open your mouth because of the social proof. Yeah, that, that, fascinating. It's almost like I've said, I've said to people in the past, uh, and you know, I, I, um, I, I got, you know, one of the tattoos I have on my arm has the word believe. Mm. And um, <clears throat> it's like along the path, I've got this intention and I've got years of experience along the pathway. I find that essence that I'm looking for. I find that missing ingredient and I have to go down that path. In your book, you talk, there's a quote from Calvin Coolidge where you talk about persistence. Um, and, and, and that's, that's a necessary quality, but you know, persistence isn't, um, you know, people, you know, persistence is not arrogance and, and people often, um, will speak to like Steve Jobs level of, 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 you know, hard headedness, but, but there's very few people that I've seen um, who, who are successful without learning from their mistakes and continuing forward. Right. They, 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 you know, sometimes you're stuck because you just can't listen. You're not listening. 100%. See, just the listening part itself, understanding it will solve half the stuck problems because the world is saying something to you, but you are filtering it out to capture information that's convenient for you to remain in the stuck state. So I always say listening has four parts to it in, in different uh, um, sort of uh, level of ingredients. Like first is judging and justifying. So basically, you are just thinking when somebody is speaking, you are thinking, is it good? Uh, you already have made their uh, sort of uh, judgment about whether this will be good or not, and you are just justifying it. See, I told you. So he's speaking like this, it must not be good. Or opportunity for you, for you. Like when somebody is speaking, you are thinking, based on that information, um, what's in it for me? So you're just trying to see where, where is, where is it's sort of a selfish interest, but I'm not saying it's bad, but at least it's for you. And then incentive for them based on what they're saying, what is it 
for them what is what are they trying to get at and the last one is neutral you are uh, while they are speaking you are just thinking what is it for dinner tonight uh, when am i going and it's drifting and my theory is the more you think about opportunity for them while you are talking while they are talking you are listening to what is the opportunity you can create with all your background all your information or even knowledge all your network everything including they are speaking about things that they care about how can you use that information to listen and then care about things that they care about that is an art it is you know so this is going to be shared with my community and um you know it's interesting is some of uh, almost all of the coolest things we've ever done have come from the community members themselves not me i'd love to say they came from me but it's 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 uh, our our biggest mini series ever was suggested uh by sarah and brock um you know our 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 um uh, you know, we we ask polls what do you want to learn and people suggested productivity which is like wow okay you know um it's like the best stuff we've ever done hasn't come from us sitting around a boardroom it's come from awesome people inside the community um and so this idea of getting uh, getting unstuck is a matter of listening you know really you know really 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 well at asking 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 and listening you know one of the things that i've thrown around is this idea that being stuck is a choice like if you're stuck you know it uh taking action is a choice and that choice gets you unstuck you talk in your book about hey you could be stuck at the door you could be stuck in the weeds you can be stuck a couple different places maybe walk us through uh you know if you can identify yourself as stuck in a particular place what are those places and what might be some of the actions i could take to make the choice to get unstuck yeah definitely that's a great question in fact i in the book i identified like seven different uh, types of getting stuck just for the sake of um, brevity i will say one thing about uh, how you it's bad kind of getting stuck and how something is a good kind of getting stuck of the seven kinds only one is a good kind of getting stuck all other six like stuck at the door is basically your yeah, extreme preparation we talked about it like i want to open the door but i am not prepared i need to be dressed well i need to be full like super sophisticated and then i'll never open the door for an opportunity because i am not ready and second the weeds is basically you start fighting for trivial things because somebody says something in the team and then that becomes you take it so much to your personal ego and then you forgot what is it about they they were talk, criticizing your idea but you immediately think they are criticizing me and then now you want to prove to the world that they are wrong and you are right and you are stuck in the weeds the best kind of getting stuck is getting stuck on the path to progress like somebody says you need to be a better negotiator and then you start learning about negotiation but you are getting stuck there again and again but you don't give up but you keep working hard because you know that you are an amateur before you become a professional mm. and that kind of stuck you should welcome it all day long because at the end of the day before starting the journey and after starting the journey you have to think your capacity to get things done has it increased or has it decreased if it has increased and you are getting stuck that was a good kind of getting stuck if it has decreased 
then it's usually you are getting stuck in the wrong places. You are wasting your time. You are busy, but not productive. So I'm an introvert, I guess. That's what all the tests say. <laughs> it's easy for me to get stuck inside my own head. Um, I feel inadequate. Um, and by the way, these are not logical things because you know. The press on the street says I should not be feeling inadequate, right? I have a book, it's best-selling, it's 500,000 copies and helping clients make billions of dollars, but sometimes I agonize over things and I just feel like, you know, I kind of talk myself into a tizzy, right? And it's, it, 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 it's not positive. It, what, what do I do? How do I, you know, I'm somewhat selfishly, but I have to imagine there's many, many people like me what do I do? Yeah, the first thing that I always say to people is, if your goal is to climb a hill behind your home, it's a small hill, you go for a hike, you can do it alone. But if your goal is to climb Mount Everest, then it's impossible to do it alone, right? So basically you need a team, you need a structure, you need training and all those things. First, recognizing that for my goal, it requires an army, and that army is not available until something that I am doing is aligned with something they are doing, isn't it? Otherwise, it will be like pulling them, they are kicking and screaming and you are pulling them along the way and they are, not in, they are not putting their heart and soul in it. So the first step is to figure out, that's why we talked about listening, is to listen and see what are they going after. Something, all our people, all our friends are going somewhere. Until we know what they care about, you will not know how what they care about can get amplified by joining hands with you along your journey to take you wherever you want to go. So the more you care about other people, the better it is to get them engaged in a project that you are in. So I always say that because of you, are, you, are the possibilities in other people's life expanding or contracting? If you are a burden on their life, then the possibilities are contracting because you are a pain to them. But if you are a blessing in their life, that you open up their canvas and extend the canvas, they can paint bigger pictures, better pictures, because you are there in your life, guess what? Very soon they will say, oh my God, he's, ex he's a possibility expander. How can I be a possibility expander for this person? I always think that the biggest force under the earth is the power of reciprocation. Nothing else, because any good person, if something good is done to him or her, first thing they will think is, how can I do something back? Right? Yeah, and, and that, and, 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 you know, from a from a straight negotiating perspective, you 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 know, there's even courses taught about how to use that sense of reciprocity, right, in your favor. But it comes from a better, it comes from a deeper place than that. It's not good enough to fake that. Obviously, it's got to be that well, that intention that says I'm, I'm desperately trying to help other people. Right? I'm pushing, pushing down that path, pushing forward on that path. Um, when you see things go wrong, and you've started a bunch of companies, you've invested into a bunch of companies. You know, it's easy to put the serial entrepreneur, but truly you're one of these guys who's done it. You've published 15 books. This is number 16, I believe. Um, where, where do you see things go wrong? 
You've seen a lot, done a lot, made a bunch of money, helped people, been a leader. Yes. I would say if I had to pick one, there are many, many reasons for this. If I had to pick one, it is not testing your assumptions and assertions whether they are valid or not. Because you assume some things and then when you strongly assume something, the word strongly is used very carefully here. If it is a strong assumption, you cannot distinguish it from your truth. Because when it becomes your truth, you think it must be right. So I must be right. The customer wants this. I know it. You don't say, I am thinking, I'm assuming the customer wants it. The humility is gone. The arrogance, almost bordering hubris comes in. And whenever I have fallen prey to it, I, I have hit a, hit a wall because I said, I assumed it, I have to test it because my truth is not the truth of the world because everybody sees the same situation very differently. If I had to pick one, most people go wrong because they treat their assumptions as truth written on concrete. Yeah, I've made that mistake a lot. I have. I've made that mistake a lot. <clears throat> I think this goes back to listening too, right? What you said a few minutes ago, which is you can be the smartest person in the room, but if you can't listen, you're going to waste uh, a lot of cycles building things people don't need, pricing things the way people don't want to buy, designing and branding and positioning yourself in ways that it's clunky and awkward and unnecessarily caustic to your overall mission. Exactly, Dan. In fact, if there are three words that are most powerful words, I would say they are tell me more. Whenever people disagree with you, the best three words to say is tell me more, rather than saying, hey, but let me tell you why you might be thinking it wrong, you know, because I, in fact, sometimes people ask me for feedback and they preface it like this. Hey, we have a new app, you should check it out and then... Before coming to you, I showed it to 10 people. All of them gave raving reviews. I'm sure you will give me a raving review. I just hate to disappoint them because they're setting me up to say things that they want to hear, not my real feedback. And if I don't give them what, I, what they're looking to hear, wanting to hear, they will think I got it wrong because they already know that they got it right. And uh, it's just that because 10 people have already said great things, the 11th person says, does not say something great, then the 11th person is wrong, not them. So it's all already, uh, they're on a path to walking towards the cliff. They just want to confirm that uh, yeah. person is wrong. They're walking towards the cliff is the right thing to do. Their, their assumption is that you're not smart, right? Because everyone yes. else, they're but Yeah, and, and I get it. It's, it's our ideas. You know, our ideas, it's kind of like our baby, you know, you, 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 you know, you take something and then polish it and then add to it. And then, and then you kind of build this sculpture uh, yes. and you set it on this pedestal and you're like, it's finished. I want everyone else to love it. Like I love it. And they go, I don't even get it. I don't know what it is. And it doesn't help me. It's your thing. It's not my thing. And so it's that openness to say, what, what, what could I do that would be a blessing? would be a help to you so that you can go be your best self. You can operate at that higher level. 100%. And in fact, there's a, there are several mistakes that in the world of entrepreneurship and in the world of pursuing an idea people do. First is we talked about criticism. So whenever somebody says, 
it's not good in they may not even say it's not good they may say but when they use somebody uses the word but then they are they are not fully believing in it so you have to catch that immediately i like it but immediately you say tell me more so rather than that you ignore whatever they say after the but so that's the first problem second problem is they have to disconnect the message from the messenger they are talking to someone who is not um, as accomplished as them but they have some good things to say you almost think that hey i have done four companies he has not even started a company how good can his feedback be because now they are connecting the message with the messenger and then uh, the increasing or decreasing the weight of the message based on the messenger the personal brand of the messenger so if you can disconnect that half the problems are solved the third one i can think of is they have not solved the problem first they are trying to sell the solution when the problem in the mind of the customer is not big enough so it's 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 there but in the mind of the seller the problem is gigantic it's like huge the, the customer has to solve it in the mind of the customer it's a tiny problem it's among all the problems they have this is the least of the problem that they want to solve because they have bigger problems to solve I, I always joke with our teams and, you know, you and I have in our conversations, we're talking a lot about sales and growth and things like that. And it's funny because salespeople will say, you know, I sent them emails and they're not getting back to me and they're all you know pounding on their chest. And I'm like, listen, honestly, do you feel like they should stop everything they're doing to, to answer your email? Right. I mean, are like you the most important thing in their life? You're not, you're not. In fact, you want their money so you're not only not the most important thing, you might be like the least important thing automatically just because of how you're positioning yourself, right? That just might be how it, how it all sorts itself out. 100%. In fact, just because the seller has the urgency does not mean that urgency is automatically transferred to the buyer. In fact, the buyer has so many urgent things going on. The least of the problem, remember that the seller should always remember that the world is going fine without them selling anything right the world it's not like somebody is saying oh my god if you what oh my god i'm so scared what if it does not sell this to me yeah. my life is incomplete when will they call me to sell me that thing because otherwise how will i continue my tomorrow because it will be a disaster nobody is thinking like that <laughs> absolutely not in fact they're like when will this guy stop messaging me when will he stop bothering me yeah, yeah, it's exactly so we we get all wound up with these perspectives that just you know that perspectives that get you stuck. Um, I, I remember and I've shared this story in the community before, but I don't think I've ever told you, Rajesh. I, I helped one of our clients um, negotiate a very complex deal with uh, a Department of Education here in the United States, uh, a state, uh, the state level Department of Education, and it was very, very large, millions of dollars. We went in, we did it, we did the, we did the deal. When the, when we got up from the table, the, the, the decision maker reached out, grabbed our hand, and said, "I'm looking forward to working with you on you on this. Send all the paperwork over. Let's get moving." And um, we all went out and partied. It was great, wonderful. And uh, two weeks go by and I get a call from the senior sales guy who's like, man, these guys are screwing us over. He's so angry, Rajesh. I mean, he's just angry. Oh, they're, they're doing this and this. And I said, well, what, what's going on? So we get the CEO on the phone. We all talk and 
And uh, he says, you know, these guys, all they were doing was trying to get our numbers. That's all they were trying to do. I, they're taking, no one's answered, signed our contracts. No, it's been radio silent. I said, well, before we sue this client, which that's a big, hairy mess. I mean, you go down that path, there's no coming back. Why don't we just, let's send a simple email. So I did one of my trademark two or three sentence emails. Um, you know, hey, Bob, or whatever his name was. Uh, you wanted to move forward with this strategy. Has your timeline changed? Very simple, very simple. About two or three days later, I get a call from the, senior, from the sales guy. Again, I see my phone. I'm like, oh, no. He picks up and he had a little, like, uh, you could tell he was choked up. And the message from the decision maker back to him said, so sorry, haven't responded. My wife and my son were in a horrible car accident. He did, his son didn't make it. And, you know, the sales guy, I mean, he was choked up. He was like, man, here I was suing, you know, prepared to sue this guy, telling him what a piece of crap he was because he was reneging on our deal and all this kind of stuff. And really, it, it had nothing to do with that, right? It was about life. Life got in the way. Unforeseen circumstances got in the way. And, 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 and if, you can't, if you can't understand that or be aware of that, my guess is, and I haven't read the book yet, right? But my guess is you're going to stay stuck a lot. 100%. And you see, I, I've seen this. This happens with young salespeople and young entrepreneurs because they're always looking at their side of the story. They forget that there is another side of the story where there is human beings involved, not just machines. They are not robots on the other side. There is life happening for them along with the way they work. In fact, I have a framework. I want to share it with you and your audience. And it's about... It's called the power of MIAI, M-I-A-I. And it's a word that is used in a game called Go. So Go is a game that is played with two stones, black stones and white stones. It's a Chinese game, 4,000 years old. Mm -hmm. And then it takes about 10 minutes to learn the rules, about 10 years to master it. And uh, there are multiple options. Like as soon as you put the one stone, the number of possibilities change to like gazillion possibilities. They say the number of possibilities in the game of Go is higher than the number of stars in the universe. So it is that big. So I'm a big believer in Go. And then there is a, there is a term used in Go called MIAI. That means, uh, let me give some background. So I play black stone, somebody plays a white stone. There are 361 squares. And I cannot tell the opponent to play the stone in a particular place because the opponent says it is my prerogative. I will play wherever I want. And as the board improve, develops, unlike chess where you kill the opponent, here your goal is to get a little bit more territory than the opponent, a little bit more and you win. So you have to always think, where will my opponent play? Will he play left or will he play right? Will he play up or will he play down in the same 361 squares? So there is a move called a poke. So poke is placing a strategic uh, location. You place your stone, white or black, and then you ask a question, sir, do you want to pick left? Do you want to pick right? And I'm okay you pick left or right, but I just want to know, please answer the question. If the other player is smart, he will say, oh, okay, you're poking me, so I'll pick my right. And this person says, okay, no problem, I'll pick the left. So you pick right, I'll pick left. But what, is, what I'm trying to get at is, 
there is equanimity equanimity uh, for either direction so you are not perturbed by uh, just because he picked left you are not saying, oh my god he picked left you just wanted to know he picked left so if you use the power of mia in life and business you are equal you have equanimity based on whatever happens on the other side the world you ask the world should you go this way or are you going this way or are you going that, that way and if the world says i am going this way i say no problem i'll go this other way so you are just so peaceful so you are like a warrior like a zen warrior doing your stuff very nicely but you are extremely peaceful so as you become uh, more accomplished as you build your network the mii comes into the picture where i am going to pursue this path and the public outcome will not change my private peace so basically the public outcome can be anything uh, some sometimes the deal go left you already have options because you are not pursuing only this deal you are pursuing many other deals in fact if you are in a such a position that refusing to work with you becomes a competitive disadvantage for the other person then you are super strong so for those of us who want to keep this conversation going where where do we find more about you yeah so i created a page until august uh, end of august i'm crowdfunding this campaign dan uh, and then my website is rajeshseti.com/sbsmartbudstuck i have a bunch of things there uh, i have given talks on this topic very passionate on this topic and i just want more more smart people to get unstuck because that, that may be coming in the way of reaching their dreams and all my research is in this book i'm so passionate excited about it and we'll put we'll 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 share a link so that you guys don't have to uh you guys don't have to uh go google that or or stumble across uh, trying to find the the right page by the way if you go to rajeshseti.com you'll see some of the writing that rajesh was talking about uh and you know this whole conversation is is fascinating to me and uh it's 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 fascinating because we often think it's on us to convince the world to do it our way but really the best solution if i'm hearing you correctly is to be aware of a problem that other people think is a problem and then to give them tremendous amounts of value so that they choose you as their solution and if you can do that pretty reliably pretty consistently i take it that you're not stuck very often 100% there are two things i want to say one is if you become a merchant of possibilities you always have a red carpet welcome wherever you walk in because they know that by allowing you giving you entry into their home and your heart into their home and their hearts their possibilities expand and then on your side if you have done enough self investment on yourself you enter a place where i call winning at any toss not winning at any cost but winning at any toss that means somebody flips a coin heads you win tails you win because whatever be the decision on the other side mm. you have a plan that's why you are winning at that. any toss winning at any toss that's pretty cool that's pretty cool okay so for those of you who um are as fascinated by by i am uh, i'm going to uh i'm going to be spending some time with rajesh 
And um, who knows what we'll do together. Maybe we'll record a video. Maybe we'll do uh, another, uh, another podcast besides this video. When we're together, we'll spend some more time and get this message out to you because I know all of you, um, you go through these phases where you get stuck. And, and, um, and I guess the, the message is um, that, that Rajesh has really highlighted a couple spots here where, where people get stuck, stuck at the door, stuck in the weeds, stuck in the middle. I mean, and there's, there's, again, you gotta go, re, gotta go get, you know, get the book. Um, but these the scenarios where if I, if I kind of diagnose myself, I'm in one of those spots. And it's, if you're here, here is a way to get unstuck. So uh, Rajesh, I am, I'm, I'm like so excited you could spend a few minutes with us and share this amazing book. You have, we have a very little time, guys. If you want a copy of this thing, um, Rajesh is, is, um, is crowdfunding it. And so there's an opportunity for you to go and grab, stuff. there's all the packages. If you, if you know Indiegogo or uh, Kickstarter, then you know Publishizer. Uh, and you can go grab your copy with all the extra benefits. There's videos, there's coaching, there's all kinds of craziness. It's all good stuff. And you can hear from just our brief conversation. This is not someone who's just um, giving you um, kind of like foo-foo sort of advice. This is a guy who understands what it's like to, to succeed and fail. And um, I love to talk about being a Zen master. That's my ultimate goal. Uh, I suspect I'm a few years away from it. Beautiful, Dan. Thank you so much. I really loved uh, the conversation with you. And I hope to have more such conversations when you're here. Absolutely. 